Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. All black, all news, all you. Black love. What is black love? A simple yet elusive, totally not exclusive question of the many who have sought it, but know not what it ought to be and seek more. Black love, deceptive black love, looking at them fine asses through rose-colored glasses, put mommy through the paces, take her many places she ain't never been before. Black love, insatiable black love. Checking out the new man in the flat upstairs and trying not to seem rude or crude, yet pursuing your desires and showing interest. Black love. Transitory black love. Seeking financial wealth for the benefit of self. Getting more toys than most of the boys. Will this alone prove who's best? Black love, prodigious black love. Is it being seen in public places, looking in children's faces, while being hypocritically analytical about our bad past deeds? Black love, sincere black love. What does it truly mean? It's a thing we somehow seem to constantly abused, blatantly misused to satisfy our own selfish needs. Black love, celebrated black love, devoid of it we will constantly be in turmoil, disjointed and torn from the moment we're born, needing true love, the kind that always maintains. Black love, righteous black love. My feelings are its when the spoken of begins to dedicate and 
eradicate bad connotations to our name. Black love, conquering black love. It will never be defeated if we strive for all to see that we can do as we have done. Black love, classic black love. As a people, we have rich history and must show all others we can work in unison. Black love, transcendent black love. Immersed in the splendor of it, we rehash, rehearse. We have then achieve that elusively persuasive thing we seek. So, if it's black love, that true black love we seek and want the meaning of, it's not elusive or unavailable. There is no big mystique, you see. It's really quite obtainable. We simply have to look inside of that we're all quite able. Loving who lives within, into search for true black love. Chicago every third Saturday when my DJ they turn me on to good good music so this one day I day down I try to keep my head down low but the order I try so the more of the artists sing they like to shine now eh God be done do I'm then I'll be quenched eh they don't love me, eh, 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 motivate me, eh, motivate me, eh, motivate me, eh, motivate me, eh, I run from the Midwest. I come go east coast Where the people then yap while I call us our money. So this one day I go out town To try to keep my head down low But the order I try what the more of your system They like to shine now hey, The people don't see up They don't be quenched up hey, my God, he done do I'm eh, 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 motivate me, 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 eh, I did throw away salute, you go buy my grace, that's all we they do, I'm the man that the beat that is sweet and mellow. Green, white, green, are they rap from well? Now Midwest are they, but sometimes I they rock in my black and yellow. Are they throw away saluto? You go buy my grace, that's all we they do, I'm the man that the beat that is sweet and mellow. Green, white, green, 
Are they rock somewhere? Now Midwest I did, but sometimes I did rock in my black and yellow. 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 Register today for the 2011 Black Wall Street USA National Convention and have a chance to win a seven-day Caribbean cruise, including airfare and accommodations. Trip arranged by a travelmoment.com. Representatives from 27 Black Wall Street districts from around the nation will convene on Gary, Indiana from October 21st to the 23rd at the Genesis Convention Center. This year's theme is Make Me a World. To have a chance to win the seven-day Caribbean cruise, you must register online at blackwallstreetdistrict.com. That's blackwallstreetdistrict.com. Greetings, this is Prentice Allison, founder and president of SPSI, a network of financial service professionals teaching America how to get more income and pay less tax through life insurance and annuities. Let us show you how. Call us toll-free at 877-902-9048. Again, 877-902-9048. I wish you well, and to God be the glory. Ladivas of Chicago Catering at www.ledivas.com is offering a 40% discount on their delicious and delectable dishes for events of 100 persons or more until December 31, 2011. This offer cannot be used with any other offer. Call them now at 773-536-5432. That's 773-536-5432. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network for Thursday, August 18th, 2011. This is a new Internet-based broadcast, and it's designed to service the African-American community in Chicago and surrounding areas. Tonight's segment is Black Wall Street USA. Join us right here every Thursday evening for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings. We want you to be a part of all that we do in sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. Our host is Mr. Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and publisher and editor of the South Street Journal, located off of 35th and King Drive right here in Chicago. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network and author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book One, 2010, and your host for this evening's show. As a matter of fact, Chicago's Black Business Network reached 800 members today. Come over and join us and touch the world. Black Wall Street USA has a national focus to show. We reach out to organizations across the nation in our efforts to connect the dots, the spiritual dots of our people across this land. We will bring forth ideas and agendas that are already in place to let the nation know what works. We will bring forth people across the nation who know how to make it work. And as we say that, we're speaking of tonight's guest, Miss Naomi Davis, founder of Blacks and Green. According to Miss Davis, BIG is a green village builder, a national network of one of Americans, America's most diverse eco-organizations and a thought leader in green community education and trade development for communities of color across 13 economic sectors. It teaches a whole system solution for the whole system problems 
common to black communities everywhere through its platform. The eight principles of Green Village Building is a precessor of Grannynomics, and she's going to tell us what that is. Visit www.blacksandgreen.org for more information. Ms. Davis has a lot to share with us this evening, so stay with us. This is Black Wall Street USA. Our call in number is 347-326-9477. I'll have the chat room open in a second. We want you to leave your company information and website links in the chat room. That's how we connect. You know, blog talk is a challenge sometimes, but, hey, that's life. That's how we do it. want to touch bases with you on a few things before we bring on our host. First, we want to thank everyone, each and every one of you who attended our Let's Meet on the Street networking event last Friday at the office of the South Street Journal. That's Ron Carter's office. Each of us... Uh, each of us, each of you made it a great event. There are always uh, great networking events. I make great connections, and I get great feedback, and that's a wonderful thing, and we hope to do it again very, very soon. And each of the guests that evening received a certificate for 25 commercial ads from our, from our sponsor, WJPC-FM Chicago. The station manager, Antonia Chappelle, took time from his exhausting schedule to be with us on Friday, and we appreciate appreciate that, Antonio. So listen for the ads right here on Black Wall Street USA and on WJPCF in Chicago. You may also listen to a broadcast of this show on www.wjpcchicago.com every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., but we would hope that you join us on Thursday nights live so that you can call in with your comments. What are your concerns? More so than that, tell us what works so that people can repeat the process. That's what we're interested in. We also want to thank our sponsor, Burrow Martin, Regional Sales Director Mr. Samuel Moore of Burrow Martin, uh, gave away three boxes of business cards. We appreciate that, and we're going to announce those winners in a little while, who those winners were. Also, Pencilman, who is a member of Chicago's Black Business Network, donated one of his infamous President Obama posters as a door prize. You can check him out on www.clarenceporter.com, on Facebook, and on Chicago's Black Business Network. Thank you, Mr. Porter. He has some great posters. They're all pencil sketches. Wonderful. We also want to do a special thanks to Chef Robert Kelly. He brought in a Big, huge pot of great gumbo, great gumbo. Uh, the chef at Chicago's Black Business Network have an exciting business brunch coming up on the calendar, so stay tuned for those details. It was a full agenda Friday night. We also had a presentation by Mr. Norman Lawrence. We want to be sure that we thank everyone. Mr. Lawrence was here, uh, gave about a half-an-hour presentation on what to do now that you have a website. Uh, if you notice, and I do notice on Chicago's Black Business Network, a lot of businesses, number one, without websites, a lot of businesses uh, whose websites have not been updated since sometimes 2005. They got his website, it's sitting there, and that's about it. So he gave us some great insights on what to do now that you have a shiny new website. Mr. Lawrence is the CEO of Sable Interactive. You can visit him at www.sableinteractive.com. 
S-A-B-L-E, interactive.com. This is Back Wall Street, USA. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. Now, if you're interested in being a guest on an upcoming show, you give us a call, 312-239-8835. That is my direct number. I try to get back to you in 24 hours. Mr. Carter's direct number is 312-624-8351. You can also listen to our shows on BlackWallStreetDistrict.com. That's BlackWallStreetDistrict.com. The opening to the show was a little bit different today. Uh, Despite the little technical difficulties, we have a brand-new opening that was almost reloaded that you heard in the beginning. And also we had a little spoken word, Black Love. We want you to please contact us, the same number, 312-239-8835, or right here in our email. We're looking for new music, spoken words. We want you to come over and be a part of all that we do. Let's welcome the chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago to the show. Welcome to the show, Ron. How are you this evening? I'm great. I'm fine, you know. <laughs> that I disappeared. No, here I am. What's yeah, going yeah. on with Black Wall Street? Yeah, well, we're rounding down for the end of the week, getting ready to uh, head for another busy weekend, going into our celebration of the 75th Street Black Wall Street District on August 27th. Uh, so, as always, we are steadily pumping. There's always a new adventure that's happening around this office. Wouldn't you say, Miss Sonia? Yes, I would say, Mr. Ron. And I could also say, you don't even know what I'm going up, going through back here in the studio. <laughs> so, I yes, know man. something is going on. I you can't say what particularly. Something is happening. Yes, all right. All right. All right. You got happening. it under control. We're still on. People are listening to us. We're hearing each other. So we're yeah. still connected. That's right. So whatever you're doing by now, we don't even realize it. All we know that we're here on Chicago's Black Business Network with the Chicago's Black Wall Street USA program. That's what we know. So all the work that you do to put us together, to make us connect, um, yes, it seems so simple based on what we know. But, yeah, so are you still tweeting around with the computers and stuff? Are you trying to manipulate things? or What's going on? I'm still tweeting around. I'm hanging on. I am hanging on. But, you know, it's just a, a microcosm of life. There is resistance. There are problems. There are obstacles. There are all those things, you know. And uh, I could have just turned the whole show off and said, you know, I can't get on. I can't do this. But, you know, that doesn't sound like me. And I, I'm here to encourage people to, you know, keep on pushing it. You know what I say about persistence? You just keep on. And uh, oh, yeah. and that's and that's pretty much a, a microcosm of everything. It's a microcosm of uh, pretty much why Black Wall Street exists. Yeah, I remember some person told me some time ago, they said that um, you show sure enough are persistent. At first I took that as an insult. I'm talking about I'm persistent. <laughs> uh, 
but as time goes on, I say, hmm, I guess this person is somewhat right. You know, why I keep doing and doing and doing? And they say, you're persistent, you know, but they said it with an attitude, so I guess that's why I thought it was a compliment. Do you I mean, know why you keep install. doing it and doing it and doing it? Yeah, I keep doing it and doing it and doing it. I guess you too. You know, I hear you sometimes walking around this office uh, grunting under your breath, but you come right back just as strong and just as, yeah, I know you don't want these type of compliments, but the idea is, yeah, you come back <laughs> just as strong as you were before with a nice lineup for us to stay focused on and be connected. Uh and I can say uh, over this year, what is it going on? Close to two years, Sonia? It will be too close to two years in December? Yes, it will be in December. Ooh, wow, I've known you that Isn't long. Isn't that something? Wow. Gosh. <laughs> I don't get along with people that long. It's amazing. <laughs> I don't know how we end up having to have this conversation all every week, just, but we did have a break in uh, I, I can't even remember when we hit the break because we had such a good show last week, and I remember getting a lot of compliments of of the intensity of the program last week that I forgot all about. We had something like a four week break uh, based on the responses that I received on our program with um, uh, sax preacher Ricky Cease from Gary, Indiana. Uh, and uh, Brother Shaka, uh, people listen in, and there was a very intense and lively uh, discussion. It made me forget all about we had four weeks off. It was a, a great discussion, and I had a great conversation uh, with Sax Preacher this week. Uh, needed a little counseling. Probably still need a little more. <laughs> but Sax mm-hmm. Preacher and I had a good talk this week. And uh, I look forward to working with him on some more shows. And Shock as well. You know that I'm going to do the programming for WJPC-FM. I'm working on that from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday. So, my goodness, that's a big responsibility. But it's a, um, a challenge, and I'm up for it. I do believe. You know, I believe I can do everything almost. Yes, <laughs> well, you I'm going to go out there and do it anyway, you know, regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, I do believe in that. And I believe in encouraging other people to uh, have visions and, and just bring them forth. So if Antonio Champagne trusts, entrusts that to me, then um, I'm going to do it. Well, so I'm looking uh, forward to that. With that network uh, that really comes around, I've known uh, uh, Mr. Chappelle for as long as South Street Journal been in existence. He was one of our first members of the advisory board of South Street Journal. So he's another one of those individuals that uh, remains to be persistent in uh, not only his direction, but how his direction spread uh, to benefit others. And I'm very uh, uh, happy to hear your expanded responsibilities. Uh, you're just going to be a Miss Media. When are you going to get your TV show? Or do we have to be selfish and keep you here on the radio? Or are you going to branch out? What's the deal? Or I'm saying something I shouldn't say? Or you got it already in motion and I didn't know nothing about it. What is it? It's always in motion. It's just bringing it forth. It's, it's there. 
uh, on top of the other thousand things that I need to be doing, but it's there. It, it, it'll it'll be coming forth. I think that I'm going to do the programming for WJPCFM, get that in place, and get the people in place. And I will have announcements coming out in the next two weeks, and where I will be reviewing um, individuals for the show and topics for the show, and telling you know letting them know what the theme is. I am uh, pretty much moving forward to. Um, of course, it's going to be a reflection of my personality, and I did <laughs> discuss all this with Mr. Chappelle. And he uh, he he doesn't know me, but he, like you, he gives me a lot of uh, room. You know, you don't know you don't know me when you just open. Are you talking like about <laughs> the the personality that may be going around the office of Sandra Perdue? Oh, that's just one side of my personality. You haven't seen all of it, but anyway, well, um, when, you of, <laughs> when you give me a lot of when you give me a lot of room, it was a whole other subject, Ron. When you give me the <laughs> go ahead, that's what I was talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. When when you give I me know the what go I'm ahead, you said, <laughs> you said, yeah, I do. Well, when you give me the go ahead, you said, go ahead, do what you want. See, he used those words, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that opened up the door for me just to, you know, let my right, mind right, right. do the walking. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, appreciate I know your work. As every time I turn around, you've been working uh, through the um, uh, South Street Journal, Black Wall Street office. Every time I turn around, somebody is offering you a proposition for your talent. Uh, do you uh, realize that? Or do you manage that, or how do you prioritize that, or that's just based on what I hear people trying to secure your talent, and you're not mentioning to me all the invites <laughs> that you get. Yeah, I turn down a lot, um, and it's a compliment, but you know, I uh, am diligent. I and you know, I I think that on myself. I'm responsible. I think that on myself, and uh, and people. They watch us. They they know we've been here a long time doing this job, and uh, it's it's a difficult thing to do to be committed. Uh, I didn't understand what commitment was till I did this show for a year. I didn't even know that I would be that committed to doing anything that long, uh, persistently, week after week. It might seem like one hour or two hours a week, but it's consistent. This consistency, that's mm-hmm. the commitment. But people watch that and they listen to that and they know, and I'm not bragging, yes I am, but sometimes I find that it's difficult for people to follow through on their commitments and be consistent in what they do. So when they see people like you or people like myself or like Ms. Davis, who's going to be our guest, and other people, uh, you know, lots of people, then yes, of course, they want to bring those people in and uh, to be part of what they do because they're, they're striving to get, you know, to get to their goals also. Uh, I tell people I can't I can't take on anything else. I need a staff. If I have a staff, it's probably nothing I can't take on. That's that's my that's my obstacle right now that I have to overcome. I need a staff. And then I can do um, other projects. I can do hundreds of projects. I follow the principal, uh, William Hurst. Yeah, I'm talking about the white man uh, out there on L.A. Times. He had 119 uh, corporations and companies. Wow. He didn't do it by himself, but he did it, Mm -hmm. and so that's doable. 
Yeah, it's very doable. I think that we all have to uh, just look at that big picture. Uh, I can even say for myself where I looked at myself at 14 years old uh, to where I'm at now, that that vision of even at 14 or 12 years old can be your guide of where you're going to be in the future if you uh, definitely stay persistent uh, regardless of the obstacles that uh, come in your way. So, yeah, it is uh, those individuals of us that have that entrepreneur spirit, uh, even not just being an entrepreneur spirit, if you are one that is um, destined that you're going to uh, climb that corporate ladder or you're going to influence your um, your your boss's direction and so that your boss could rely on you based on your insight in that particular industry is a sign of being persistent, um, even if it's from the role of social um, economic advocacy to the role of being a a great dancer, being that persistent is uh, very important in one's uh, character in life. Absolutely. Wow, I got a little philosophy there. What was that all about? Oh, no. I don't know. Anyway. I'm trying to, I'm trying to fix my computer. It was <laughs> <laughs> in the Black Wall Street, USA. Uh, that was uh, the host right there being philosophical, Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street, Chicago. I'm Sonia Purdue. Also, uh want to talk about, we're going to uh, bring Ms. Davis on. She is on the line. Hopefully she's still there. And uh, let's talk about the parade, Marcus Garvey, a little bit, because we want to be sure that we get that information out about August 30, August 22nd. 27th, Correct. 30, August 27th, Ron. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to be going back to celebrating our first black Wall Street district which was uh, developed in, I believe it was, I uh, have to be for sure, i got to get this date down packed, uh, um, which was in 2008. Uh, it was legislation that was passed by uh, Illinois State Senator um, Donnie Trotter, uh, giving State Street to, really State Street to the lake on 75th Street, as the Black Wall Street District. What's so unique about it, it is one street in the not only the city of Chicago, but the country where there's a concentration of black businesses of the 120 black businesses, uh, approximately all of um, maybe about 115 of them are black-owned. That is a rarity. We know that's a rarity in Chicago, and it is a reflection of the Black Wall Street that was uh, massacred, destroyed in 1921. So on August the 27th, we're going to highlight our note of this first Black Wall Street district uh, to the direction that now in Chicago we have approximately 18 of these Black Wall Street districts, all of them are in some way a special position of their development, uh, but we want to pay acknowledge we're going to have a parade that's kicking off on 76 in Cottage, going south to 79th Street, 
going west down 79th Street to State Street, State Street to 75th Street, going down um, east down 75th Street, and then we're going to come back and have a celebration. This is being organized by Black Wall Street uh, Yeti. Uh, youth empowerment through entrepreneurship. So all this is going to kick off at 10 a.m. on uh, Saturday, August the 27th. And we definitely invite the community at large as well as the people um, all over the city of Chicago to take part in the celebration of one of the unique uh, business strips in Chicago, 75th Street, the Black Wall Street District of 75th Street. So, yes, do invite the family, the friends. Uh, there will be entertainment. There will be uh, speakers that we will highlight this uh, special occasion. And this is also in collaboration with Marcus Garvey uh, celebration that is being organized and sponsored by the Temple of Mercy, and the Grand uh, Marshal will be no other than uh, Mr. Webb Evans, who is the president of the United, um, uh, I'm sorry, um, United, oh, wow, got me, the uh, UPA, uh, UNPA, help me out here, Sonia, United American Progress uh, Association, Association, which is okay, a 44-year-old organization here in Chicago, headed by no other than Mr. By Black Webb Evans. That's wonderful. Now, if you would, uh, before we go to a short break and uh, bring Ms. Davis on, can you give us an update on the national convention? Well, we're moving forward uh, on October the 21st to the 23rd. Uh, people can go directly to the website, uh, uh, blackwallstreet.org, where you can register. The registration is no more than $65 for three days of activities, along with a very uh, secure agenda that's in the making uh, my understanding that Jesse Jackson uh, Sr. will be present, Denise Williams uh, will be present. We will have speakers from around the country uh, of other Black Wall Street districts uh, that will take part. Um, we are highlighting Gary, Indiana. Uh, it was the first black political convention that drew over 2,000 people in approximately 1972. And so we're coming back to uh, Gary, Indiana. Also, Tito Jackson of the Jackson Fives will be on hand at this here presentation as well. So this is going to be the second uh, National Black uh, Wall Street Convention, and we feel good and honored that it is right to our sister city, uh, Gary, Indiana. And we're going to be uh, looking for people to participate, but we definitely want to look for a specific agenda. As we talked last week, uh, and the question was, was this going to be just a gathering of people and having a good time, uh, enjoying each other's company with no substance of an agenda? Even some people called it more of a, just a big party. 
but know there will be Pacifics that not only come from the floor of the of the convention, but also the direction of how we want Gary, Indiana, to be just as vibrant as a city as any other in the United States. So all eyes going to be on Gary, Indiana, as well as the the influx of support to bring this city back to its uh, glory and its massive population of blacks that they must take over that economics before they have no chance to do so. So we're bringing our focus, bringing our energy uh, to join with Gary, Indiana, for a special project that's happening on Broadway and Fifth Avenue. Wonderful. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. Our host this evening is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. Let's go to a short break, and we're going to bring on our guests for tonight, Ms. Naomi Davis, the founder of Blacks and Green. So stay with us, please. Chicago, WJPCChicago.com. A message from black contractors in the neighborhood. We have good news for the elders and homeowners in Chicago. We, the black contractors in the neighborhood, want you to be part of the good news that will enlighten your future and take most of the burdens off of your shoulders. We, the black contractors in the neighborhood, have more than 40 years of contracting experience. And it has reached the time that we are compelled to stop the Johnny-come-lately contractors that have only been in business for 10 minutes from ripping off our people and giving black contractors a bad name with their unprofessional quality of work and ethics. We, the black contractors in the neighborhood, are here for two main reasons. One, to help our elders and homeowners in the lower income brackets, and two, to ensure that our work is done in a professional and workmanlike manner. Our first priority is to seek out the boys in the neighborhood that are interested in learning the building trade. They will be given a small amount of money for two or three hours of job training. Our goal is to try and bring the children out of a damaged environment into a business state of mind. Your request for bids, repairs, and rehab will help us so that we can help you. We are preparing to work black, spend black, and to help black so that our money can stay in our neighborhoods. You have been talking unity long enough. Now let's come together and show unity for our children's sake. Any nationality of race that lives in the neighborhood is part of that neighborhood and is entitled to half off any jobs or bids that have already been quoted. We, the black contractors in the neighborhood, will beat their cost unless their cost is too low to do a quality job. It is time to come together so that we can live together. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Call Mr. L at 773-315-7058. That's 773-315-7058. 
The Evolution is coming to Chicago, Thursday, September the 29th. The ultimate beauty, fashion, and glamour experience set against the backdrop of the magnificent Chicago skyline and Lake Michigan on the Lakeview Terrace at Navy Pier. Our team of stylists, designers, and photographers from Houston, Los Angeles, and Chicago will navigate your glamorous evolution. The event will stream live, reaching a global audience. This is a once-in-a-lifetime experience that you do not want to miss. For more information, visit evolutionchicago.info. Listen up, ladies. If you want full, fabulous hair that grows long and strong, pick up Good to Grow hair care products. Good to Grow's five-step system is developed to repair damaged hair and stop breakage. The product line includes the new hair resuscitator, giving new life to dry and brittle hair, the Good to Grow tingling, penetrating conditioner, and wild growth serum with shea butter and clover leaf oil, promoting healthy hair, the nourishing, thickening shampoo, and hair food. Pick up Good to Grow today at select Walgreens locations, Jordans and Hair Experts. Good to Grow is distributed by Resilience Salon Style products. Welcome back welcome back to Black Wall Street USA. This is Sonia Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network, and our host this evening is Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. And despite obstacles, we are just going forth here. Uh Ron, welcome back to the show and I also wanna welcome our guest for this evening, Miss Naomi Davis of Blacks and Green. Uh can you introduce her to our listeners, Ron? Oh yes. Uh, Miss Davis and I go way back. I don't even think she remember. Uh when <laughs> I worked for the uh Chicago Defender and uh she was I think at that time she was just basically doing PR work, and then naturally as I went and formed South Street Journal, we uh, got acquainted, and um, she had her public relations uh, services that work with many individuals, um, corporate as well as nonprofit as well as entertainment. And since that time, as we talked earlier in the show, she had been one of those individuals that definitely was persistent before we even knew what she was persistent about uh, because <laughs> she entertained the city of Chicago with this concept of green where many of us got kind of insulted. I'm black. Now you're trying to tell us we're green? What is all this all about? But with that in mind, uh, I would like to introduce to our listening audience, welcome Ms. Davis to the program. Thank you so much, Ron, and thank you, Sonia, for setting us up and making it happen. Just a joy to be here. All right. So, yeah, you did start off uh, doing a lot of PR work, and you had many clients. I know that's when I first uh, was introduced to you and we first met. Uh, so where's this switch? When did you make this switch? You're probably still, matter of fact, um, you sent me an email last, I think it was last week, and you sent it as a press release. And um, I replied back to you saying, who was the, uh, uh, who's the byline? Who's the writer? And because of the, the flow of the uh, the message that uh, the press release was. I didn't even look at it as it being a press release, but a press story. 
and do respond back. Uh, you are the author of that story <laughs> that you submitted. So what happened? You know, you you were a media, public relations, marketing focused individual uh, working on many projects, had so many clients in that field, and then all of a sudden you popped up and insulted me talking about you about green, and I'm trying to <laughs> tell everybody they black. What's, what's well, the deal here? Yeah, well, you know, it doesn't seem like a natural transition because uh, it it looks like it's from two different worlds, but by the time we're we're done really taking it apart uh tonight uh together and with and with your audience you're going to see how all the dots connect first of all um in public affairs marketing communications we are looking at um how to frame things in a way that the intended listener can really get it can experience what the message is and and uh can um, can adopt the the uh, action that we're calling for. So mm-hmm. what we're saying here with the new green economy is that black folks were the original environmentalists. I mean, not only because we're the original people from uh, the ancestral uh, motherland of Africa, but because when we look at the mastery of land stewardship, and when we look at, uh, well, not just African-Americans, but indigenous uh, cultures all around the world, we understand uh, that their fundamental relatedness to the land, um, their oneness with the land, is a, um, is a, is a, is a cornerstone for their lifestyles, for how they define themselves, and um and how they exist is defined by how well they are uh, direct stewards of the land now fast forward you know the earth is about not quite 5 billion years old it's been everything from a snow cone to a fiery ball and life that has been uh, supported on the planet has conformed to the climate that existed on the planet at the time. In the last 150 years of that 5 billion years, we have gone through a rapid uh, acceleration in the rate at which our planet is warming. And so what we understand about that is... Are we complaining because the planet is warming? uh, Well, not enough people are complaining, but... you. You know, the people. I mean, should of, we complain because the planet? We should we look at it being good that the planet is warming, especially not at in all. Chicago? Not at all. No. Here's 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 the deal. Um, if if the if the temperature goes up, the ice caps melt. When the ice caps melt, they release a whole bunch of moisture into the air, and they release a whole bunch of water into. Um, onto the onto land masses, what we've got to deal with then is the resulting temperature changes, which are um, which are extreme can be defined as extreme weather. We've seen we've seen hundred year events happening every few years here in America. We've been did we not have hail in June, and um, we're having um, 
you know, uh, blizzards, floods, drought, flood um, 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 uh, cycles that are um, driving uh, indigenous people off their lands. And then where flooding is concerned, what we like to say is there's Katrina. Katrina, as an example, not necessarily uh, all scientists don't agree, well, that wasn't climate change, but what they do agree is that's what climate change looks like. Black folks are um, vulnerable in ways that um, other communities of people are not. Black folks have a disproportionate negative impact from global warming. Relative to how much they're contributing to global warming, they're suffering a lot more. And so... So, so however, so I'm suffering more than the people on the north side or Hoffman Estate. Uh, uh, what type of comparison are you saying? Or okay. is it based what on I'm the region? Is, what I'm saying is this. When when Katrina hit, the po- the folks with the, be- the, the most uh, liquidity, the most resources, were able to organize themselves and get out. Mm-hmm. Or they were able to create buffers between themselves and the ravaging elements. The people who have the least and who are um, the least um, um, uh, uh, organized as a body to uh, to get themselves mobile and to get themselves out are the ones who are going to be negatively impacted. So, Well, I want to come back to how this all come back to green, but I have to make a point that there was mm-hmm. a meeting here at uh, uh, South Street Journal office maybe about a year ago. There mm-hmm. were a group of uh, blacks. I don't know if he was in this meeting or not. I think uh, Linda Clark Carter was along with Reven Fellows was organizing a meeting regarding nas- uh, national disaster readiness. And uh, Linda herself indicated that there are ongoing uh, training for national disaster among mm-hmm. volunteers around Chicago. And well, Reven's been working on that issue for a lot of years, and you got yeah, to commend him for Right, mm-hmm. and they, she indicated when she take these classes for a national disaster, there'd be approximately about 80 people in this class uh, of volunteers, and of these 80 people, there'd approximately be about two or three blacks that are participating. Are you, and these are uh, national disaster readiness type of classes, are you referring to that type of uh, readiness when you say blacks are not going to be prepared? That is included, but it is not, it's not limited to that. When we, when we look at um, power surges, um, when we look at um, outages, when we look at heat surges, we know that, um, you know, the folks in our community, um, the poor, the elderly, and especially our elderly poor, are um, are not, su- not supported in the ways that they are, 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 are able to recover when outages For example, occur. give me an example. What are you referring to that's not uh, readily to recover? Um, is that in comparison to, or is that just uh, 
based on well, gem, it's, it's, demographics it's, or is that based on race or is that based on selected areas? Uh, so, you know, because well, I'm still what, back on that blacks won't be ready. Okay. The, there are two different kinds of readiness that I'm talking about. The readiness associated, for example, with how our utility bills are, um, uh, how our charges are, how rate how rate increases are approved, how um, increases in our utility bills are predictable, and how um, a higher percentage of uh of our uh disposable income or our net income is a higher percentage in the black community goes toward utility bills than uh in 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 their comparable in the communities of our comparable peers so what we're saying is one aspect of preparedness for our communities is to um is to be able to have manageable affordable heating and cooling and um, the health issues associated with um, uh, because of the higher rate of asthma in black communities, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the health triggers that are uh, impacting um, those incidences of uh, those as- asthmatic attacks, uh, some of them are associated with heat, some of them are associated with air quality uh, per se, and um, how uh, air filtering happens. Um, mm-hmm. We just we we you know we we refer folks routinely to um, the 2008 study um, on a climate uh, for change. The um, the study by uh, Nia Robinson um, that uh, that statistically um, highlights the difference, the disparities. Um, between um, between uh, black communities and uh, majority communities, um, how the health impacts, economic impacts, um, you know, how those break down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 a it's a great study. It's a very eye-opening way of looking at just the just the raw data when we look mm-hmm. at um, where we're located as communities uh, in proximity to waste. Uh, waste disposal uh, to our our you know our famous two coal-fired plants here in Chicago, uh, both located uh, at the uh, um, at the heart of, of, of uh, Hispanic communities. Um, yes, there is an overall air quality that is going to affect everyone in Chicago because there there's no um, there's no glass border that keeps um, air. Um, um, blanketing uh, just one particular neighborhood, but you can see from the health studies that uh, that the incidences of uh, respiratory illness uh, around these kinds of industrial facilities are are higher, um, and um, and the and the deaths and the economic impact are all well documented. Um, it's part of what goes into that phrase vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then what is this whole message when you come up with this term blacks in green? How mm-hmm. does we how do how should one interpret the name blacks in green 
with all that you have explained in the disparities of readiness uh, regarding the uh, the conditions of not only the earth but on our utility readiness as well. Well, originally um, the the whole thought about blacks and green was preceded by years of just really um, suffering over um, observing how our communities were um, sliding into a decline from the area, the era when I grew up, which was, you know, the Martin, the Malcolm, and anything was possible, and we'd take a new ground, and the um, the ideas that we were advancing at that time looked like it was just an arc going upward and that we could get there from here, from there. And um, when uh, after the 70s and the 80s and the 90s um, began to demonstrate that um, economically um, we, we weren't advancing along that trajectory, um, that instead our legacy communities like the one where I live here in West Woodlawn, um, that you could see a, a steady, measurable decline into blight that we have uh, over the last 40 years suffered extreme disinvestment. Um, when you come to a neighborhood and it's all bombed out, boarded up and crazy looking, it doesn't to some people even even look abnormal anymore it's uh it's 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 this it's this new kind of normal for our neighborhoods and then the way our neighborhoods are developed is mm-hmm. um is becomes becomes a trigger issue but back in two thousand and along the road toward two thousand and four, I began uh, researching um what it what healthy communities looked like in different parts of the world. What did it mean to have a neighborhood like the one I grew up in, like the one my mother grew up in, where uh where we you know, where we were self sustaining, where there were neighbor owned businesses w- within walking distance, where we could walk to work, walk to shop, walk to learn, walk to play and um and that money uh that came home with us through our paychecks or uh, through our other avenues, uh, circulated in those neighborhoods um, a dozen times or so before before exiting. And I know from my own experience that um, when I grew up, my mom was a big uh, booster for the United Negro College Fund. Uh, she was the president of her um, her alumni organization from the college she graduated from. We all, we all went to HBC. HBCU schools, and um, she was a fundraiser um, three or four times a year. She'd call the neighbor-owned businesses, and she'd send her little daughter around the route to pick up the envelopes, and those businesses lived in the neighborhood, and they understand, uh, they understood what the interest was in in seeding uh, the opportunity for that uh, next generation to go to college. And there was no talk back. There was no pushback. There was nothing but, yes, Miss Davis, uh, you know, come get the check. That kind of um, local living economy, what we call right now, relates to climate change and climate crisis because, number one, we know that we've got to <clears> – <throat> cut down on carbon uh, dioxide emissions, and one of the great ways to do that is to get out of our 
automobiles much more. Um, but the other very important part of that is, you know, as we look at how we can sort of thrive as a community of neighbors when um, when um, um, external emergencies or weather emergencies do occur, we know that if we if we're if we're bound to an area that we can walk in order to be um, reaching the resources that we need, we have to look at what is our walkable village. We have to look at it not only, again, because we have to get out of our cars more for uh, for the health of the planet. Um, again, the planet doesn't care, but we care because we can't live on a planet beyond um, – you know, 390, 400 parts per million carbon greenhouse gas emissions where life as we know it will break down. So when things So flood, what is it that some of the activities that uh, Blacks and Green, BIG, are doing uh, in relationship to this seems as though it's a very massive agenda uh, that relates to many aspects of life that BIG is addressing? Uh how can or what do we see as far as activities that BIG is in, involved in? Well, we teach the eight principles of Green Village Building, which is the which is the course that um, I designed over this these uh, these years of, of of research about what sustainable communities look like. Uh, where my mom grew up uh, in Minter City, Mississippi their version of sustainable community was everything they ate, they grew, and everything they wore, they made. Uh, What we know now in looking on that kind of lifestyle is that even though they thought they were poor, really they were rich. So um, in teaching the Eight Principles of Green Village Building, which is our course at the, uh, uh, the University of Chicago at the Center for the Study of Race, Politics, and Culture, which is our uh, partner and sponsor in teaching the course, we uh, we we work with community activists. We it's an it's an open enrollment course. Um, we uh, we do provide scholarships for those who aren't aren't able to pay the full tuition. Um, we bring in people who we believe and who say that they are able, ready, willing, and able to lead where they live. So we train people up in the eight principles so that they can then return to their walkable villages and be agents of and be agents of change. So the eight principles uh revolve around all of the all of the aspects of of sustainability uh and and we and we connect the dots. Um whether it's uh finance, um whether it's um fuel and transportation, uh shopping and waste, um green homes, um, urban gardening, the way that we um, celebrate our culture, which is um, one of the things that we're specifically engaged in now, and I'll tell you more about that, the show that we've got coming up on August 27th at the Dusable, um, how we organize, um, how we create uh, um, economic and educational epicenters in our community, and then how we invent, invest, manufacture, and merchandise locally. That sounds like a very intense agenda of operations. That's kind of putting you all 
if I may say for a lack of words, all over Chicago and touches many agenda and many interests with uh, that vast um, process of these uh, principles that you're doing. How do you manage all of this here? Well, it's because it's a system and it's and it's all interconnected. We we understand or we assert we say that it takes a whole system solution to transform a whole system problem. And uh our whole system problem um um is um is very very well known, well documented and we you know, we 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 uh we express it this way. We've got malnutrition, addiction and poisoning. We've got um, health disparities. Um, we've got um, self-hatred projected. We've got miseducation, um, dropouts, and um, and illiteracy. We've got um, unprepared parenting and state-supported single-mother homes, hyper-incarceration, recidivism and violence, barriers to voting, underemployment, unemployment, and and the black tax. And these things work uh, in perfect symmetry, one with the other, to keep um, communities stuck. Well, Cannot. let me put it this in here. Now, because of this disparity, uh, even as you initially indicated that uh, the mm-hmm. black community is n- not as ready as others, uh, is this based on design or circumstances, or do we look at that whole which is kind of be that that term of racism or what caused blacks to be less in the readiness and when it comes to energy and uh the 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 focus of this whole green industry why aren't we or what happened that we're not well i mean everybody um is uh, is understanding that structural racism is not a um, is not a fantasy. It's not a phantom. It's a real thing. We understand it. Um, we you know we call it poverty incorporated, the world's largest business. Either you are in the business, <clears throat> either you're in the business of increasing household income and increasing the number of neighbor-owned businesses where people are in these um, communities of need, or you're doing what? You, on the sidelines. I'm going um, to say it again. You're, you're either, your, pro, your programs and your projects either focus on increasing the household income of the people who live in a place and increasing the number of neighbor-owned businesses as a is a core strategy for increasing household income, or you're doing what? We assert that the key ingredient in any healthy neighborhood, if it's going to be healthy, it's going to be healthy because it's anchored by neighbor-owned businesses. Period. Well, Jane, but you, you did make a point. If you're not doing those things, you're doing what? What is what that the other folks are not doing <laughs> if you're not doing that? Well, you're doing something else. And what? Either, what what could I mean, we be doing now? I mean, given that if I was not involved with uh, Black Wall Street, um, I don't know, I probably would be just working on South Street Journal newspaper. 
So if you're not doing those things, you're doing what? What are you saying other people are doing if they're not doing that? Well, let me let me laser in on the how I would define the problem, which is what I think you're asking me to speak on. Uh-huh. Um, there are lots of social programs. There are lots of educational programs. There are lots of training programs, and there are lots of green programs. And I think that where we um, where we get separated from the results that matter the most, and I I'm asserting that the results that matter most were the two that I cited. Where we get separated from that is that we're not tying our results to those to those metrics and instead what we can what we can what we can rely on and what is routinely relied on is are the numbers of graduates from a program the number of um you know uh 30 60 90 day placements from a program uh, the 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 test Scores from a certain change in the educational strategy. Um, these haven't proven on the ground to change the trajectory of the communities, uh, the legacy communities that black people are um, are living in now or have left. We have all around the country where wherever you go you have a whole system, you have the evidence of the whole system problem common to black communities um and you know and i've and i've named them and they're very familiar to all of us we're so smart as a human species we're smart enough to to send um small objects far into deep space and have them sit there and operate for decades. We're very smart. We, if we have okay, you lost me there. You, we're 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 smart to send small details and uh, we're, open we're, space. In other and, words, and, we have the in other words, we have the intelligence to solve problems when we're committed to solving a problem. Um, the commitment has been lacking. Our our folks. Any any good parent raises a child to be able to take care of themselves. At a certain point, if the goal isn't self-sufficiency, isn't if it isn't self-sustainability and that's not if that's not the goal and that's not the result, then you're uh then you're just creating a chain um um a gerbil wheel of dependency and that's and that's part of that's part of the problem that we're dealing with is that there is no commitment to solve the problem. There's a commitment to, you know, churn a payroll or to design a program that gets good press or whatever it is that motivates people. And a lot of good, a lot of well-motivated people are also um, simply not um, digging down deep to the, um, to the things that are going to increase household income. There was a time when home economics was, a, a burgeoning uh, career and industry, and you and you and I and everyone listening knows that 
you know, when your household income, when your household is comfortable and you're and you've got enough and you feel like you've got plenty, the world, you know, the world is a pretty sweet place. And when your payroll is crazy and your 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 bills are frayed and you're um, betwixt and between, it's it's a really rough world. Um, we focus on that microcosm of change and um and it's an experiment we're certainly we certainly can't stand on a soapbox and uh point to um you know this is what we have achieved but i can tell you this it is the experiment that we're engaged in now we're holding our own feet to the fire we've just launched a five year pilot and we'll uh-huh. uh, and we'll be accountable for whether we've done what we said we said we would do or not. Um, mm-hmm. So the so okay. the point is that we're you know we're working on proof of concept of a pilot uh, in real time with real people on the ground. And um, to go back to local living economies for a minute, if you can walk to work, walk to shop, walk to play and walk to learn you have got a um, you've got a, uh, a a very blessed scenario mostly uh in in black communities we uh uh we're 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 needing to spend all of our money outside of our communities um to get the things that we need uh and we're also uh the money we're spending inside of our communities is on a one way ticket out after right. our first transaction, so gotcha. we are so we're working on uh, you know what's a plausible strategy for taking one walkable place and um, and creating a critical mass of neighbor-owned businesses there, um, and um, looking at how we can structure the measures for uh, the experiment, um, the success being. Um, Household income is increased by uh, X amount uh, oh. over X period of time. So, well, Naomi, we're going to hold that right there. We're going to take a break, and we're going to be right back with you. Uh, Sonia? Yes, I'm here. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with host Ron Carter, chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be right back. You are listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. All black, all news, all you. Hey, churches, church groups, auxiliaries, pastors, we want to hear from you. If you and your ministry have got what it takes to be contestants on the new Christian game show, just say the word. Here's what we want you to do. Check out www.masterstylemedia.com forward slash gospel TV. This is where you can find details and information about this hot new Christian game show that's going to help unite the body of Christ by seeing what you know about the word and challenging you to learn more. We're calling on everybody, ushers, the mother's board, deacons, Servants, we want to hear from you. Again, www.masterstylemedia.com forward slash gospel TV. If you and your church have got what it takes to be contestants on Just Say the Word, we want to hear from you. Come on and check us out. God bless.
founder and president of SPSI, Service Perfect Solutions Incorporated, a network of financial service professionals teaching people how to use life insurance and annuities to retain more of their income and pay the least tax on it. Our toll-free number is 877-902-9048. We are proud to have serviced more than 500 clients, national and international, from ages 0 to 99 for the past 30 years. My tip to you today is, if you are a business owner with at least one employee, including yourself, it would behoove you to get business life insurance. Why? Thank you for asking. Seven points I want to leave with you. Your premiums are tax deductible. Your policy bills cash tax deferred. Your cash reserve inside the policy is yours to use tax-free. The policy will replace your income if death occur prematurely. The company will pay the premiums if you become disabled. The policy will return all premiums to you when you retire. Last but not least, make sure your agent is well experienced in business life insurance. Stay tuned for more tips on how to use life insurance and annuities to help yourself today and protect your family and business tomorrow. This is Prentice L. Allison, President of SPSI. Toll-free number is 877-902-9048. I wish you well, and to God be the glory. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Tonight's segment is Black Wall Street USA. Join us right here every Thursday evening for Black Wall Street USA. We're here from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Thursday evenings, and we want you to be a part, want you to be a part of all that we do in sustaining and increasing black businesses across the country. Our host is Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago and publisher and editor of the South Street Journal. I'm Sonia Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network and author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 1, 2010. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is actually open, folks. You can dial into the chat. Back on the air. Hello. Yes. This uh, Naomi. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Something we have some type of techno quality here. Uh, Sonia, we all okay? Oh, I'm not for sure what's happening here. Um, did you hear Sonia? I haven't heard anything. It's been it's been quiet. You're right. I thought she was, uh, hold on one moment. I don't know if it's me and you or the listener audience. Uh, hold on. Let me see what's happening. I'll be here.
Hi there. Hi. Okay, sorry about that little difficulty there. Uh, something got kind of crossed here, but we're on and we're moving on. So, with all this in mind, what, what, what's the next step? Where do we go with uh, the direction of blacks and green as it comes to our readiness uh, when we're talking about green economy, uh, ecology, or green? Uh, and then as we look at it, uh, blacks and green, people may look at blacks and green based on the money, or we looking at e- eco- uh, ecology. Uh, how do we interpret the name black and green? Um, blacks and green was born to remind generations of our great cultural legacy, which is our stewardship of the land, and to reinvent that legacy here uh, in the age of climate crisis. So it is definitely about the land. Great civilizations have gone asunder, the Roman, the Mayan, and others we can we can name because of their poor stewardship, their failure to properly manage their natural resources. There's no get-out-of-jail-free card for that one. We're not exempt. It can happen to us, too. So, um, so yes, land stewardship, land, ecology, ecosystems, very, very important, critically important. Uh, however, Blacks and Green was also born, as I mentioned, uh, out of uh, an angst, uh, um, a, um, a despair that um, we were continuing to slip down uh, the slope of prosperity and that uh, so far as healthy communities, sustainable communities went, um, ours were going uh, the way of the spotted owl. They were just disappearing. And so um, studying um, what makes healthy communities healthy um, in models around the world, it became uh, obvious right off the bat that, you know, these were, were, were not black communities. And, and I'm not saying that none exist. Uh, what I am saying is that it was it became clear after years of research that there that those that did exist um, did because they had a whole system solution in place and so the good news is that there is a way forward there is a way up the other news is that we didn't get into this mess overnight we're not going to get out of it overnight and anybody who tells you that we are is a snake oil oil sales person we've got to We've got to we've got to understand we're bracing for a long game, and we if as long as we're methodical and we don't stop, we will keep moving in the right direction. Right now, we're not moving in the right direction. So we say, help is not on the way, and um, I think it's a it's a it's a powerful assumption to make that help is not on the way, and if it shows up, it's there to help itself. We say nothing trumps self help. So we're always um, um, embedded into our design is is a, is a grassroots, ground level uh, economic um, strategy. And so uh, on on Saturday, August 27th, we are having the second in our series of uh, capstone projects for the classes that we teach, which are part of this whole economic development theory. That we are um, that we're unpacking. We teach uh, in the fifth principle of Green Village Building that each village celebrates its past, present, and future culture. 
in print, digital, and theatrical forms. Well, what in the heck does theater have to do with economic development or green economy? Um, how it relates is this, Ron. Um, there was a time, and, and, and what we're discovering from the uh, process that we've launched here in our West Woodlawn pilot, um, that uh, that uh, there was the neighbor that was in the hood. Right now we just have the hood. We don't have that neighbor component. So we're out to put the neighbor back in the hood. It's a slow process, but we assert that economic development needs to start, must start, with at the soul level. It's not fast, it's not sexy, but it's the it's the hard it's the it's the it's the infrastructural work that needs to needs to go first. We're the walking. It's not in. sexy. Why come it can't be sexy? Well, we're going to make it sexy. You got to come out on August twenty seventh and see. But it's it's in other words, it's not that silver bullet that people so many people seem to be looking for. We we have been in a beatdown. We, you know, here in the neighborhood where I live is the, is the neighborhood of Lorraine Hansberry. She, her family lived here, and uh, the, 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 the rate of classic, A Raisin in the Sun, was written in and about this community. And I all remember that the subject matter of the title had to do with a dream deferred. And certainly, if there were ever uh, evidence of a dream deferred, in this community just west of the uh, University of Chicago, it's this neighborhood, uh, which is, as I said, it's bombed out, boarded up, and crazy looking. It is littered. It is. Um, it has no economic epicenter, um, and the money um, that is um, generated by the people who live here um, is on a one-way ticket out anytime they, um, they, they do most any transaction here. Well, then, is that a lack of vision for the existing organizations or is that a oversight by the existing or they just was overpowered not to be able to have this uh, insight in what you're speaking of? Well, the neighborhoods, the black neighborhoods around the country and around the world that are like this, are not like this by accident. They're uh, uh, through a combination of, uh, of a systematic disinvestment as well as um, a, um, a, a, stru a, a structure for development in our communities. There are cycles of disinvestment and redevelopment that are, uh, that are patented. They're tried and true. They, they carve our neighborhoods up, governments, um, um, uh, developers, uh, social service agencies, uh, and and others um, routinely carve the black neighborhood up like a Christmas turkey, and we are not accustomed so much to having the um, the uh, successful resistance. Um, when you when, you know so. What we're doing, let, 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 me, let me start with the end of the story. We're producing a musical called Migration the Musical, Calling okay. My Children Home. Mm -hmm. The musical is um, 
is done as a um, as as part of a process for healing, bonding, and organizing in our in our blighted legacy community. And you know, we're we're we are colonized. We're most of us in neighborhoods where we're raiding on the truck to come to deliver our you know our daily bread, so to speak. And so the idea that we are going to overnight come to um, uh, a spiritual um, strength and an economic understanding of how to change all that is is wrong-headed. Um, what we can do, what we, how we can start, is by simply telling our stories and beginning the process. I I have a background as well in in theater, and I know I know the power of theater uh, to heal, um, um, to connect people to uh, open uh, us up to uh, a more receptive state of being and uh, I and and as a and as a community performance project and that's where a community writes produces and performs in its own musical about itself um, there's a there's an opportunity to do several things number one we're talking to neighbors again in a way that is become just really sort of old-fashioned and obsolete, just talking to your neighbor. We, we started our process with a series of story circles. Uh, we, we had uh, for, for this semester, which began in um, July, um, so it's, a, it's a, an eight-week course, and the students of the course are uh, driving uh, this process this capstone. So they're learning while doing. It's a process of organizing that focuses on a specific project, which brings the students in partnership with actual folks in the neighborhood. Um, the migration, the musical, Calling My Children Home, will be at the DuSaba Museum on Saturday, August 27th. Um, it uh, uh, it will run from 1 to 5 with performances, two performances, one at 1.45 and one at 3.45 with a reception uh, in between. You get a small plate of supper, a glass of wine or punch. You get a memento, a made in Westwood Lawn memento, and, um, and we are uh, honored to have uh, Professor Timuel Black and uh, the uh, mother of many, uh, Val Gray Ward, uh, the founder, uh, co-founder of Kumba Theater, as our honorary chairs. Uh, together they understand how the combined power of history and theater can really re reawaken and educate the spirit. Uh, we also have um, our special guest host, Tony Burroughs, internationally renowned genealogist, and Sam Greenlee, author of The Spook Who Sat by the Door, who are going to introduce both shows and also uh, steward us through uh, a talkback. The point of the show is to show what is a way, not the only way, but a way forward into building the, the kind of community uh, resolve that uh, can move mountains. Uh, again, it begins with uh, neighbors talking with neighbors. So we produced uh, four story circles, engaged um, members across the spectrum of age. Uh, the youngest was four years old. The oldest was 90. Um, the, um, some living in the community now, some owning property, some renting, some not living in the community, some 
working in the community, some connected to the churches here. So we have a really broad spectrum of people who are sitting down in a very intimate way and talking about um, their experience in this place. It's all about how black people can begin redefining loyalty, a commitment, a loving relationship, a stewardship relationship neighborhoods where we live. Uh, we're also teaching the eight marketable job skills of, of the theater. Uh, as a theater uh, professional on the creative as well as on the business side, we also understand um, some of the uh, highly impactful business models from around the country where theater as an economic center have, uh, has been a transformative power in the uh, economic um, lifeblood in the prosperity of neighbors and neighborhoods. So we're using the opportunity to um, produce this sampler of a show. But what we're presenting on Saturday, August 27th, is the result of one semester of work. It is a sample of a one-year community performance process which will begin this fall and which will culminate next fall we, we have been invited to be a part of the opening season of the, um, the Logan Center for the Creative and Performing Arts. It's the new center that the University of Chicago is putting up just down the street from us. And so Very good, very good. Okay. We're looking forward to engaging the community fully and broadly and deeply. We're looking forward to um, creating a tableau of stories that help the neighborhood see the very best in uh, in itself and redefine what's possible going forward. We're looking forward to getting people trained in the theater arts. There are 18,000 theater jobs in the Chicago metro area, um, and um, we're not we're not well represented at all in that body. No reason for that to be the case. We also know that we're models like uh, Amish Acres and American Girl Place and Swamp Gravy uh, that uh, have culture-based, place-based theater with retail strongholds, retail strongholds. And so part of uh, our fundamental plan is how to develop uh, micropreneurs and, and entrepreneurs who can and will be vendors to these types of performances. Um, it is um, so. It's a spiritual matter. It's a. Um, it's an economic matter. It's a an environmental matter, and it's um, it's a way forward that we believe should be should precede any economic development in a neighborhood. Mostly, what we see is somebody decided how they were going to carve us up, and who was going to come in and um, have the uh, the stores, or who was going to build the homes more often than not we've just been so focused on some bricks and mortar housing that we haven't really designed systems that are uh, able to um, enrich the people who already live here and gentrification is not part of our formula so well you um, know you definitely seem as though you have uh, again a, a very wide agenda of activities do you take time to sleep with all those activities that you got going on? 
because it's very broad and it stretches from many areas of the city. I guess when I looked at uh, uh, blacks and green, um, you're definitely talking green as far as money as well. Well, yes, and I think that um, I think that that's why we have chosen the household income metric as our holy grail, because really, um, when it shows up there, we know that um, people can be people can be healthy if we focus on producing that result in that location. Um, the rest will take care of itself. We're we're certain we're we're a highly spiritual people. We're smart. We're strong. Um, you know what what we have lacked uh, as much as anything else is um, is a, a is a way to um, and a and a focus on on the economic side. Professor Temuel Black will tell you there was a time when Bronzeville had 731 black-owned businesses and 100 wow. million. 100 dollars in real estate holdings. Um, mm. we, we have fallen pretty far from that tree, and of course we're not living in times where we can recreate that reality, but we can create a new reality based on what we know for sure we're capable of. Um, we, have to, um, we have to rethink how we are um, going to generate wealth for ourselves. It does not exist in uh, having a big mortgage and having a big car note and um, being able to take uh, X number of vacations a year. It really um, exists in, um, you know, what we call supersistence. It's like, can you take care of yourself, like survive, like survive? Can you, you know, can you, can you bake bread? Can you fix a leak? Can you build a house? Can you, um, can you, can you uh, uh, repair a motor? Can you weave? Can you? We have a huge. We use the transitions um, skills inventory, and mm-hmm. the process that we're about um, about to launch of of a weekend skilling workshops where people mm-hmm. who have skills teach others those skills. My mom learned to sew when she was ten years old, and she. Uh, opened up a dress shop, graduated from high school, and she worked in the garment industry when she moved to New York, and she was so good at what she did, they let her work at home, which is pretty much unheard of, so that she could be there when her children got out of school. It's uh, part of the grannynomics, uh, the 12 propositions of grannynomics that we teach that, um, uh, number one, everyone must work, and number two, uh, by age 10, every child is apprenticed to some kind of trade. Wow. So- well, you know, you're right. We are definitely very far away from that, uh, even as uh, Black Wall Street has 60 children, well, no, 60 children, 60 young adults, ages from 17 to 19, that uh, just being direct, uh, out of that 60, only about 10 are focused. And of that 10 that really are focused, maybe they're focused in another area, but that's far from, as you uh, described, the 10 years old of the heyday of Bronzeville, which was also Bronzeville was identified as a black Wall Street area as well. 
So that big gap of our youth today where you indicate that they are 10 um, and pretty focused and disciplined and being identified with the growth of the community or themselves or the family compared to today, uh, does that give us a real strange catch-up? Is that possible of catching our youth up to have the mindset of a 10-year-old from the heyday of uh, the 40s and the 50s of Bronzeville? Well, I'll put it to you this way. Um, the alternative is unacceptable. We already know um, that the streets are full during the day of kids who are not even um, not even in school learning to read or write. We know that the policies of um, HUD and certain other um, government agencies are 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 not structured to require demand or uh, support uh, our neighbors in being trained and having meaningful work. Um, you know, there, there, there's the way things work around here right now, and again, we didn't get into this mess overnight. I say, as long as we're, um, as long as we're this low down on the totem pole, might as well shoot for the stars. Um, do we be aggressive? How aggressive do we be in shooting for the stars? Do we actually uh, use the, the terms of Malcolm X by any means necessary? Uh, do we uh, do it uh, individually focused like Oprah Winfrey? Uh, how do we shoot for the stars, so to speak? Well, that's, that's what the eight principles of Green Village Building are all about. It's a very systematic process. Again, here um, uh, in uh, West Woodlawn, where um, our pilot is just beginning, we're just in the process of introducing uh, ourselves to our neighbors, um, fostering um, more neighbors, introducing themselves well, to one another. Well, let me ask you this. Even when we look at, when you say in West Woodlawn, Woodlawn is one particular community in Chicago where it came from the godfather of of community organizing, Shaw Alinsky. Uh Naturally, that was somewhat kind of spearheaded from Shaw Alinsky to uh, Leon Finley. And um, even though Woodlawn did not have public housing in its uh, community, it still represented a a... a a, a community of despair. I don't know if that had a lot to do with the Black Peace Stone Rangers or the gang element, or even taking down the 63rd Street Ale uh, and or and the, the bunch of the demolition. And I think I asked you earlier, where does that the rest? Where do we rest? Is it is it, is it a is it a concern of resting on what happened or do we just go ahead and shoot for the stars and not focus well, on why it I happened i think it's a very i think it's a very methodical process in the in the eight principles of green village building we talk about banking we talk about defining wealth we talk about how money is 
um, how money is de- where we where we place our money, where we deposit our money, uh, how we define well, wealth. Well, when you talk about it, you know, because I'm I'm shooting at you real quick based on coming to the end. Uh, as we shoot at where we do it, are we speaking of of uh, uh, actual direction on where to do it? Uh, for example, what line do what do they have? Maybe two banks in the whole community: one on 63rd and Cottage, and then on Stony Island. I think there's only two banks in that whole community. Is that correct? Um, no. Um, well, it depends. When you say a bank on 63rd and Cottage. Yeah, it's a bank on 63rd and College across the street from Daly's Restaurant. Uh, it changes names almost every year. And then you have Chase Bank over there on uh, 60, about 67th or somewhere, or 69th in uh, Stony Island. So once okay. and once you well, look me, at let, that. Let me, let me define for you what I mean when I say Westwood Lawn, okay? Um There's historic Westwood Lawn, about which the book Tight Little Island was written uh, by Dr. Robert L. Polk in 2008. It's a coffee table book that documents the stories of the people of uh, the area Mm -hmm. between 3rd and 69th Street from King's College. And then there is the uh, annexed um, TIF district uh, that was approved in 2010 by the Well, you know, what we're going to have to do, uh, uh, Naomi, is because we're going right up to the uh, end of the program, and we definitely got to get you back on so we can go into those things as well. Uh, Give us the details of the upcoming event on um, August the 27th. Thank you. Um, You can uh, buy tickets online at Brown Paper Events. Just look for Migration the Musical. Um, Calling My Children Home. That's Migration the Musical. Um, Our website is blacksandgreen.org. And um, the performances are Saturday, August 27th at DuSable Museum in Washington Park from 1 to 5. Um, The ticket price of uh, $25 includes admission to one of the shows, one of the shows is at 145. The other is at 345. There's a reception in between. Um, okay. I, um, and we and so you're having a small plate, a glass of wine or punch, a memento, and um, and, and time with our with our honored hosts. And so mm-hmm. that is Saturday, August 27th, from one to five at the DuSable Museum. Right. And well, we do mm-hmm. we do have. Free group tickets available to um, to to community organizations um, committed to doing this work. So right. free group. Well, yeah. Well, we definitely want to uh, thank you for being on with us. Uh, we definitely got to have a follow up uh, because the 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 intensity of the many agenda items of Black and Green has uh, have definitely have an impact on the growth and the education process as well. So, again, your transition from that PR practitioner, which I have found that you still get that good knack of writing, don't you? 
Yeah, I do. Thank you. <laughs> okay. And uh, maybe we need to draft you over to South Street Journal with that. And uh, we're going to follow up with you not only. Well, you know, I'd, I'd, love to, I'd love to write a column for you. And I want to also say our fall semester is starting uh, in October, on Wednesday, October 5th. It's a 10-week course. And, uh, again, scholarships are available uh, and our Real Estate Institute will be launching in the spring. We're going to be teaching black communities how to own, develop, and manage the property in their own neighborhoods. Well, we definitely want to help Black Wall Street to take full advantage of that. So uh, thank you again, uh, Naomi Davis from Blacks and Green. Uh, Miss Sonia Perdue, where are you? I like that. I am here. Thank you so much, Ms. Davis. I am in awe, and I'm more in awe now. I was just, when I was in awe, just reading the emails and everything that you were doing. But, yes, we definitely uh, need to structure this and get this out to as many people as we can and keep you on the forefront uh, of sharing everything that you're doing. Uh, maybe take it piece by piece. You know, our people, some people, uh, you know, they get overloaded. So maybe take piece by piece and break it down and just train uh, on a couple of shows, if that's okay with you, Ms. Davis. I, I'd I love, love to do that. that. Thank you so much for the invitation. And we look forward to you, and you, you shall hear from us very soon. You have a wonderful evening. And I wish, I'm wishing you the best on the 27th. I know it's going to be a great, great success. Thank you so much, and you guys keep up the good work. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, man. Have a good evening. Okay. Well, Mr. Carter, perfect timing, 8.15. Oh, yeah, I did. I'm, I'm telling you, I think you Ooh. do it. I just think you just do that. Oh. <laughs> but it's it's great. I had a, a lot of technical things going on, uh, but that's fine. It was still, you know, great information. I want to replay this show in the upcoming week and uh, keep getting that information. I also want to uh, replay Sax Preacher show from last week uh, a few more times uh, in the upcoming week so that we can keep this information flowing. Uh, thank you so much for listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network. Thank you, Ron. We made it through another show. I think this is like 190-something. I don't know. Whoa. But we just we okay. just keep on rolling. And thank everyone for their support. And look for a lot of changes on Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you. Have a great evening, everyone, and good night. Good night, all. Tough question number one. Imagine that you are a black man, and the year is 1955. You're walking down the street in a community known as Bridgeport in Chicago, and four white men pull up beside you in a Chevy. Are you afraid? Imagine the year is 1964, and you are a young black man driving down a dark road on your way to Meridian, Mississippi with two Jewish associates. When you see the bright lights of a car in your rearview mirror, then you see a flashing red light and know that it is a police vehicle. Do you feel safe or are you forever regretful? Imagine as a black man in the year 2010, you're driving through Chicago's Inglewood community and you quite appropriately stop at a stop sign. Before you can pull off, four black men pull up next to your car. Are you scared? Where do you as a black American feel safe? 
Where do you feel threatened? Why are we still afraid? Haven't we been afraid long enough?